0: Part four of the four-part interview of 80 Lessons Learned on the Road from 80,000 to 80 Million with Mr. Thomas Beyer. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. All right everybody. welcome back to the fourth and final installment of this interview with Mr. Thomas Byer. So hope some of these lessons are starting to, to sink in. Hope some of these lessons are starting to resonate with you. One of the reasons why I wanted to um, bring it out in a little bit more bite size is so that you can digest it. After you listen to it, you can maybe make a list of some things you're going to implement, some things you're going to take action from, a review contest and a comment contest that you're going to participate in. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I probably don't have to remind you again of the contest that's running, but if you have already... Left a review and you followed all the steps of all the other podcast episodes that you've listened in the series, you know, you've got the reward already. And the reward is that you are a person that makes a commitment, you take the action and you move forward, and the book is on its way. Okay, gang. So I'm gonna keep this one really tight at the beginning here, but I have a little message for you after the final episode with Thomas here today. So without any further delay, let's just get right after it. Please help welcome Mr. Thomas Beyer. All right, guys, so we're, we're back again. We just, uh, we just burned through a battery here. So Thomas is dropping just way too much wisdom and knowledge here for us. So we're going to wrap up this thread of conversation and I have a couple more questions I want to end off with here. So you were sharing about the mobile home park that you had and all the work and diligence you had. And you, you talked about, you know, the fees and how you get paid and all that kind of stuff. Just for maybe just for share for, for rough structuring. How do you typically structure yours? Do you have acquisition fees, disposition fee, administration fees, and then percentage ownership splits? Like everybody, whenever I ask the question, is what's the biggest question people want to know? They want to know how do I structure this thing? Even though they've never talked to an investor or they have no investors, everybody wants to know how to structure it. So maybe if you'd like to just share how you structure your, your offerings.
1: Well, first of all, I think you, you don't start with limited partnerships and raising $2 million right out the get-go. You usually start on a smaller deal and work your way up, right? So you would do an LP where you raise two or three, four, $10 million perhaps. After you've done a number of smaller deals, maybe for half a million dollars or 200000 or $85,000. And presumably you have some expertise in that space, be it mobile home parks or apartment buildings or office towers or marinas, right? I mean, there's many, many aspects to real estate which all can be really profitable or can all be screwed up, right? Just because you buy multifamily doesn't mean you're going to make money. You actually have to have some expertise in that space. And you often have more than one person involved because maybe one person excels at the operations and the other person excels perhaps at the acquisition and the third person perhaps excels at money raising because they're all different skills, right? So that's the, the three areas we focus on, we used to focus on that we had one person primarily on the fundraising side. You know, I would be the assist on that. Mm-hmm. I was initially the acquisition guy, but, I have, but later we had Mike who was focusing on acquisition. I would be on assist. And then we have a property management company now, which also manages uh, most of our buildings, right. unless they are in, in remote areas like Dallas, we had a, a firm locally, right? Or if you bought something in Vancouver Island, I would hire a local firm properly mm-hmm. in Vancouver Island. So you you, you got to have your expertise areas covered. Yes. And all these experts or people have to make some money, right? Yep. So the fundraiser...
0: And, and profit's not a
1: four-letter word. <laughs> no, it's not, absolutely. And but, but the fundraiser, who is very active up front, mm-hmm. is usually compensated up front, right. right? Might get a bit of an equity trailer at the end. But he's on the phone for six months to raise the money, and then he's more or less not involved anymore. Maybe with investor relationships, maybe the annual AGM, or maybe in the annual update, he has a little mm-hmm. blurb. But he's now onto the next deal, probably, right. right? So that person gets paid usually a portion of your acquisition fee, maybe as much as 50%. Or there's a sales commission, even, depending on how you structure the deal. Right. Or you might take 25% or 33% of the equity overall. But it's usually much more front loaded. Similar with the acquisition guy, if that's the only role, that person might get only paid up front. And then you have operations. Um, there's usually a smallish asset management fee. In our case, it's usually about a half a percent of right. the asset value. Sometimes it's a percentage of rent, maybe two or three percent of the rent. Because what you will find, even on a small scale, there is often very little cash flow in the beginning. Right. right? So sometimes you got to overraise money because you're short up front, usually. Right? And, and the first two or three years is tight. You usually do the most improvements up front, and there's not enough left over to pay management fees. So if you want to pay a management fee, you got to raise that.
0: Right. So know? if... In your numbers, you needed 1.8, you might raise two. Right. right, exactly.
1: And there's what's often called a waterfall model, which is basic. What, it's called a water waterfall. A waterfall, okay. Which means, how does the money come back t- in steps to investors? And it's usually something like that. Once you, let's say, sell a building, all the money that the investors invested goes back to investor. So it's a zero-100 split. Mm-hmm. I get nothing until the investor gets their 100% so money back. So they have to
0: get their money back first, okay.
1: That's, that's the first Waterfall over the cliff, right? Mm-hmm. Zero, 100. Yeah. After that, you might say it's twenty eighty, or it's 30, 70, or 60, 40, okay. up to, let's pick a number, 12% a year. Okay. So if you are able to deliver 8% overall, well, then it's a 60, 40 split, right? Okay. So- but, but if you're able to, to generate 23% overall, well, only up to the first 12 is a 60, 40, yeah. and then maybe it's 50, 50. Or even lopsided in your favor, 80 20, once you're above 15%. Yeah. So that's so you got these kind of waterfall models because often you don't know what the return is. You might have a real a real home run. It it may not might not make sense to pay 80% to investors because you will leave way too much money on the table for you. So if they're happy with a fifteen percent return, let's say, and but you're able to generate twenty five percent, which can happen in development deals, then why not take that 10% and pay fifteen to investors, right?
0: right. So does the lawyer putting this together, um, imagine in, in part of the whole process of you putting that document together, the subscription document and clarification... The lawyer be asking you these questions on how do you want to do the splits and things like that. And there's probably no hard and fast rule, is there? The lawyer is an art are, and a science.
1: Lawyers are usually not business minded people. So okay. if you take, say, I take an 8% fee, he said, Sure, I'll put 8% in. Yeah. It, it might have, you have to be able to sell it. Too, it, right? it might be totally crappy, it might be totally lopsided. You essentially kill the entire deal. But if, if you say 8 the lawyer says, Sure, I'll put 8 in. Because he just puts the number in, there, in okay. there. And he's not usually involved in a pro forma. You know, uh, unless he's been doing many syndications, I think he wouldn't know with 120,000 bucks a door from multifamily building app, is a good value or not. Right. So the lawyer really wouldn't
0: know that. Their know. expertise is just putting yeah, paperwork together What you to give them instructions to do.
1: Correct. Yeah. And, and and of course, you can, and, and that's why often don't invest in certain deals because they're, they're so lopsided towards the syndicator. They take all the fees up front. They take a lot of huge management fees, right. and the entire risk is on the, on well, the investor. One the right. principles
0: you, you, you've shared, I'm not sure if it's in your book or not, but it actually has to be saleable. You have to be able to sell it to somebody. It has to be, has to be in favor for the investor first. You know, at the end of the day, the investor and the consumer will always vote with their money, right. always. Right. And if you have a crappy deal and too much in your favor, you get no way to subscribe to it. Sure, but, but there's
1: maybe two famous syndications which, which both went out of business or, or severely damaged the last few years. One is Walton, very large land developer, yeah. uh, raised hundreds of millions of dollars and very, very good uh, uh, marketing. And they were, went into receivership, I think, two years ago or something, three years ago now. And, and one was Fortress mm-hmm. in, in Toronto with many uh, mortgage syndications. And they were able to raise a lot of money because they had a, a very powerful track record in the past yeah. and had very good marketing teams and very high commissions. Right. Right. So just because it's sellable or it is sold actually doesn't mean it's a good deal. Right? And, right. and again, sometimes you don't know because the market obviously turned in Alberta for three years, which I think that ended Walton in this case because they had so many land deals, which in the end, the value dropped from here to here. And, you know, if you raise this much money and the value is from here to here, well, then you lose money and you have to still pay fees and property taxes. And guess what? So I don't know what investors lost everything or, or a portion, we don't know, right? So it it has to be celebrated and that's why we put these performers together where you put all the fees in mm-hmm. and you put reasonable assumptions in there, right? Yes. I mean, if you assume the world will go to 18% interest rates, if that's your assumption, well, guess what? Prices will be lower in mm-hmm. five years, a lot lower. If that's your assumption, right? Then you can raise money because A, why would I buy a building 400,000 a door if it's worth 50,000 a door in five right. years, Right. right? So your, your assumptions need to be realistic, obviously, right? But then you build a story around it. And the story has to be like, like a car brochure. It has to be sexy and it has to be pictures and it has to be glossy, you know, but it needs to be factual.
0: You have to, you know, you sell the, sell the sizzle on the steak, but you also have to have a good steak. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It doesn't matter how bad, if the, if the, meat, if the cut of meat is bad, right. it doesn't matter how well you package it. Exactly. I
1: mean, as I mentioned, I worked for IBM for eight years, and, and they, they really had a, a superb sales team, yeah. but they're also good products. So if you have a good product, well, look at Apple as one example, or BMWs, I mean, they all have good products, but they also sold well. They have, you know, marketing brochures and TV commercials, and, and you know, as road shows and car shows. I mean, it, it, they spend a lot of money in marketing.
0: Yeah. Right? Nice. But at the end of the day, you have to deliver upon what you promise. Yeah, but but the product
1: has to be decent too, right? And sometimes you don't have a good product because some markets are on a downturn and and maybe it has a its course and maybe that product you're selling, trying to sell, doesn't sell well. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have not done multifamily deals the last probably three or four years. Certainly, Alberta, the story was not... Well told. It yeah, was, wasn't a great story.
0: Deferred maintenance and people are still wanting pretty high price for what the exactly. financials no. are saying. It's, you know, I'm not saying it, it isn't a good investment option. I know some people that are picking up some... Well, 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 well I think now
1: it is, but now, now being 2018, nowadays, but yeah. maybe 2014 or 2015, 2016, it was not,
0: right? right. Very good. Oh, we're going to wrap it up here. I do have, um, you know, honestly, Thomas, First and foremost, I, I just want to thank you. The, the amount of time you put into this is just, just phenomenal, and and the amount of effort and, and sharing of of your wisdom is just you know, I, I'm from the bottom of my heart, I'm grateful. First and foremost, as a friend and somebody who who anytime I've ever asked a question to you, you've always have, have been just so generous and grateful with all your time and, and wisdom, and it's just I'm honored to be able to share you with with a whole bunch of other people now. Before we do ask the last two questions, why don't you just, uh, into the camera over here, let people know where they can get a hold of you, maybe a website. So I know you're working on some projects yourself right now, always. And you also, you also heard that, you know, you're entertaining people's projects too, if, if anyone has something on the go too. So let people know where they can get a hold of you.
1: My One of the emails, which is sort of the the, the one I use in this book, is called Buyer 808080 at gmail.com. Yep. So that's a that's an email you get a hold of me. Um, you can phone me. Um, our main website is pressprop.com, prestigious Properties. And there's links and buttons you can click. It's sort of a bit of there's some history as well. I'm doing a development deal right now in uh, in Oliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might do a syndication or investors in that space. But I want to do it first yeah. with my own money and see where it goes. And right now there's, you know, some some hair on the deal and I need to learn. So So usually what I do is I don't want to syndicate something I have no idea about.
0: And when I, I share often my story about how I my journey of t- to learn how to raise capital, and one of the the key principles I learned from is follow the people that were raising capital. And you were the one of the people that I followed. If you want to learn how to do something, find people who are doing it. Right. And so I would go through and, and I, you know, we had early conversations and I was clear from the beginning, Thomas, I'm not going to be an investor, but I want to know how you qualify people. What do you do? What do you put them through? What's your newsletter? I followed all your writings and, and you're just so you're very well art. And when you write something, it's not articulate. Is it articulate when you write something? Articulate speaking. Concise I, Concise. I don't know. But just the way you write is just, it was just, it just Suc- sense. succinct. 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 Woo, that was a tough word. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just followed everything you were doing and it was just, it just made sense. And I think a lot of people, if you actually dive into the world of Thomas Byer, you will find out it's just the calls that you've made and some of the predictions that you've done and just some of your worldly insights are just like just spot on. So I just sure, want to give maybe. you give Perfect. credit where credit is due. For Thank one. you.
1: Yeah. No, of course, we made mistakes too, right? Because we, we could have invested more and more in the U.S. That yeah. was booming and maybe less in Alberta. But I think one question you have to ask yourself always, would I invest my own money in this deal yes. under these terms I'm offering to others? Yes. And if you say, "Ah, you know, no, I wouldn't, then you should stop. That's why we stopped raising money. Because my son asked me, should I put some money in, in your deal? <laughs> and I said, yeah, Alberta was about to turn, right? It was 2014. I I knew that there was a peak. I said, no, don't. The market is turning, so don't put money in. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, the market did go down, right? Right. So I figured, if I can't recommend this investment to my son, who's a doctor now, then I shouldn't ask other people to invest and we stop fundraising, right? Right.
0: Um, So eating eating your own cooking, eating your own cooking,
1: right? As it turned out, his wife's parents invested in the mobile home park deal because they actually live in Rocky Mountain house. Right. Um, Because, uh, you know, at that time, it was a good deal, actually, right? Mm -hmm.
0: And, um, and based upon the market conditions and you analyze it yourself. And that's the criteria you have is would you feel comfortable recommending it to your family?
1: Exactly. With your money or people close to you, right?
0: Yep. Very good. So speaking of that, that's actually what a, what a great segue. That leads into to my last um, conversation threads. You know, so what are some of the advice you'd offer people what are some of the big mistakes that you see people making and what advice would you offer people whether they're just getting started they've accomplished or maybe they're ready to become the next Thomas buyer out there what advice would you give them or based on some mistakes you've made
1: well we got only a few minutes so um, i mean that's why i tried to pen this book and put stuff together but i think some people are overly eager to syndicate right away find other people I, i think it's really useful to invest your own money first and learn whatever sphere you decide to enter. Yes. Maybe maybe it's townhouses in Edmonton or maybe it's small office buildings in, in Victoria or it's, it's the mobile home parks in, in rural Saskatchewan, whatever it is. Build an expertise in that space and, and do one or two or three deals so you actually have a story to tell. So look, I bought this mobile home park for 35000 a pad and now it's worth 45000 a pad and here's my cash flow, here's my numbers. Mm-hmm. You actually can tell a, a credible story. Yep. And that's very believable. And then people will say, sure, on your next deal, let me know. Right. right. So, um, really... so I think you got to really build an expertise first, and that takes some time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you travel to Europe. There's a very in-depth baking, and cookie, and you know sweets and and cake culture, right? Yep. Far more in depth than here. You go to an average bakery. There's like. 100 different cookies and, and they all look beautiful. I mean, to produce this kind of quality, it takes many, many years to learn, yeah. right? Similar in, in investments because you bought one townhouse and get lucky. Six months later, you start, oh, yeah, now I'm going to buy 10 yeah. more townhouses with money. Maybe I mean, you just still lucky ones, right? Yeah. And that happens to I me. Mean, if you do deals consistently, you do get lucky once in a while, mm-hmm. right? But you can't build an investment story on the one deal where you get lucky. Right,
0: and to use that analogy of a baker, as well as you also can't turn the temperature on the oven up to seven hundred degrees and cut the cut the cooking time in half either. That's right. Yeah. Right, it, it, there is a recipe. There is just time that it takes. It takes the time that it takes.
1: Correct, and and, and therefore, and so much, and and especially in the beginning, the cash flow is really tight. Yeah. So you better have some other income. Don't assume that because the the cash flow on the performer says. Fifteen hundred bucks a month, positive cash flow. That this is actually money you can stick in your jeans and live off. Yeah. Because often that money goes back in the building in terms of upgrades and new boilers and new bathtubs and new paint and new door handles, and the building will be worth more money in five years. Mm-hmm. But all that cash flow went back in the building, and you you took out zero yourself. Yeah. It's, and you can't live on that. You can't live on equity alone. You got to have some other income somewhere. Right?
0: Yes. The whole that's honest to goodness that's another conversation. The whole game versus actual spendable income versus uh, upside appreciation and equity gains. And yeah. like I think real estate is a, the most phenomenal place to hold your wealth when it comes down to actually, um, as a business, it's it's actually, if you really think about it, it's not one of the greatest businesses that generate income out there.
1: No, I mean, I use this sort of bathtub model because you have a bathtub with with water in it and, and there's a spout coming out and yeah. that's the money you need every month, right? Ideally, you have multiple... Buckets of various sizes putting water into the bathtub. Yes. And sometimes maybe it takes five years and all of a sudden a big bucket shows up boom, and lots of stuff goes in. Yeah. And then nothing for five years or for three years. Right. And then and two smaller buckets come in, right? And, and maybe you have some two or three other little spouts which put water in the bathtub, right? So that's sort of the bathtub model I think about with my own cash flow needs that I need money every month coming out. But as long as there's enough buckets filling the bathtub. Yeah there's not pressure to come out yeah if know, you're, you're okay so, so if
0: your only model is just living off the cash flow off of you know a portfolio of five or six rental houses that right. that's not enough that's not enough buckets coming in
1: correct it's not right, right. and there's always surprises i mean there's vacancies as part mm-hmm. of the game there's always some dumb tenants who there's fires there's you know stupid stuff like you know the sign thou shalt not piss in the elevator uh, you know it's, it's rather obvious but People still do that, you know.
0: They, they, they forgot the word not
1: in there. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you got to clean that up and, you know, it's damage to the cables and crap like people. just us do stupid stuff sometimes, right?
0: So what would be... Um here to leave our audience here. Last question, I promise. Maybe one final word of wisdom from Thomas Bayer from, from the 81st lesson, the the next, the un- the unwritten chapter of the book. So guys, I'm going to hold this up one more time. Make sure you pick up this book. It's on my bookshelf. I, I refer to it all, all the time as well. What would be one more chapter you would add to that as some inspiration for everyone watching? Well, I, I still think it's, it's, it's important
1: that you take action, right? And you cannot be perfect. So once you have acquired some knowledge, you know, in, in the sphere you want to operate in, in the city you live perhaps, because it's a decent city and there's upside, just do it, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, you won't be perfect. And yes, maybe you pay too much. And maybe you're not the perfect manager. But as you do it, you learn a ton, right? And the next deal you're doing, you'll you get a lot better. You, you, your offers will be sharper, quicker your operating expenses will be tighter you know you build a bigger network of realtors and property managers and and painters and plumbers and and investors right so i think the trick is to just keep doing right Right. and there will be setbacks like we had in Alberta for three years and it's tough right so you have some reserves hopefully and and live with these reserves and then keep on going
0: you know and Um, in uh you know, of doing the work every day and learning from everything you've done and mistakes that you've made. Lo and behold, twenty years later, become an overnight success. That's right. Well, as we, as we <laughs> let's see today, I mean,
1: today is kind of a cloudy day, but yep. guess what? The sun is still shining behind the clouds. You know? Yeah,
0: it is. <laughs> and you're going to go downstairs and get on your your electric bike and go for a tour around this beautiful place that you've lived. And you've earned everything that you have come your way. And and the reason why you've earned that, Thomas, is because of your genuineness. Your authenticness and your your willingness to share. So I wanted on behalf of everyone, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your time. Happy to thank share. Thank you for man. all thank your wisdom. Thanks, Thanks for guys. Your time. Russell Westcott. I look forward to catching up with you on the next interview. Okay, bye for now. Thank mm-hmm. you, guys. All right, everybody. So I sure hope you enjoyed this exclusive four- part interview series with Thomas on the 80 lessons learned on the road from 80,000 to 80 million. So guys, what did you take away from this? What were the key insights? What were the key implementable if that's such a word, implementable action items that you're going to move forward with. If you reached out and you've s- submitted a review as part of the review contest, here's a homework for you. Take your right hand, everybody. All together now, I'm waiting. I'm watching you. I know you're, you're at the gym right now, and I know you're driving. You can drive with your left hand. So take your right hand, put it in the air. Everybody doing it? I'll wait. Right hand in the air. Now, what I want you to do is take your right hand, put it on your left shoulder, and give it a little pat, pat, pat. Give yourself a pat on the back for taking the action and moving forward. Okay, gang. So, what I want to leave with each and every one of you here was a following message. If you're interested in moving forward and if you're interested in hanging out with a group of like-minded people, people that have scaled portfolios, people that have busted through the biggest obstacles, people that have accomplished their goals faster than they could have ever dreamed. You know what, I was sitting here this week just sitting down and, you know, reviewing a lot of the coaching clients progress that we're they're making and I'm just going through each of the clients and just going through the projects that are involved with and and honest to goodness I'm losing count on how many properties the clients have. I think the number if I truly would sit down that it, it would probably be over 400 active deals that the coaching clients are are working through right now. But, you know, as blessed and and as honored and, and as impressive as that may sound, the thing that I actually hold myself a little bit more maybe the best word would be proud about, is that just recently another client submitted their resignation letter. And that's actually one of the guideposts I use within the progress is how many people are leaving maybe an unfulfilling job? How many people have submitted a resignation letter and have now jumped in with both feet because they have a solid plan, they have an action guide they have support they have the resources they have the right steps in place to make the journey into full-time entrepreneurship full-time real estate investing full-time e-commerce person they have now got the confidence to move forward with that and that's one of the things that i actually part of my coaching i do with a lot of people a lot of people you know don't have the fulfillment in their work which is totally fine um maybe they're looking for something else. And one of the things that I do is I help people bust through that scary step of taking that next step to maybe going out on your own, to walking away from the job, walking away from the unfulfilling work that you do. Okay, so it's a deeper conversation, then I can just maybe just do an end of a podcast episode here with you. But here's the thing is, if if you're looking for fulfillment, if you're looking for more, if you're looking hanging out with a group of people that are pushing each other and moving forward and helping support each other, I would encourage you to check out the Raising Capital Academy. Or I would encourage you to check out maybe a coaching program that I have available to help you Move forward. Um, if you go on to wherever you're listening to this, the show notes, there will be a link to the Raising Capital Academy. And in there uh, will be a, a link to a, a more than adequately detailed website that's been built out to explain all the information and all the details and all the resources and all the materials available for at your fingertips 24 uh, 7, 365 days a year. Let's put it in perspective this interview that you just heard from Thomas Bayer members of the Raising Capital Academy have had access to that for more than 2 years and each of the new content pieces that I bring out the exclusive high end VIP materials that I do with the like interviews like The one you just heard, Raising Capital Academy members get that first. Raising Capital Academy members get all those implementation webinars. They get access to the leadership program that's being developed and will be launched in early 2022. They get access to all that first. And in many cases, they will get access to it for free. So I would encourage you if you want to move forward, if you'd like to be one of the people that do versus just talk and think and dream check out the Raising Capital Academy. If you go on wherever you're listening to this in the show notes, you will find it. If you can't find it there, jump onto my website at russellwescott.com and there is a link about halfway down on the opening page. And if you like, by all means, book a consultation. We'd love to have a conversation about this to see if it's a fit, to see if this will help you move forward. Okay, gang, so... Please, once again, if you have submitted a review, congratulations. Remember the pat on the back at the beginning. If you are about to leave a review, I believe I'm still going to leave this open. I I committed to one month after the first episode that it came out. I will leave it open. If you're listening to this way after the fact and there's 1,027 episodes and you're coming back to this, it's probably closed. But I would still love to see your review and love to see your feedback because we are just getting warmed up. We're just getting started. I'm loving the process and you know what? I'm just starting to form my groove, right? I've been doing this gig for about 20 plus years and you know what? Maybe I'm catching on here a little bit. Slow learner, but slow and steady wins the race. All right, everybody, remember in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast.